1: This is The Guardian.
0: some
1: stories
2: I can tell. You. I Hello from the final word Ashes Daily. Welcome to Emma John. This is the UK. Or something like that. Look, it's all very well for my Australian colleagues Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon over in Melbourne. For them, the Boxing Day test actually starts on Boxing Day. Here in England, the game's scheduled start was 11.30pm on the 25th of December, so you'll understand if I'm not in the sharpest of states. I blame the brandy butter for the blurry confusion I experienced during the first session of this third test. Rain had delayed the start, so I stole a little nap, and when I woke up to see Joe Root and David Milan at the crease together at 13 for two, I did hope, for a moment, that we were seeing a replay of the last test. And in a sense, we were. Because here came another horrible batting display from England. The difference was, of course, that Pat Cummins was back to lead Australia and he had barely won the coin toss before he'd nipped out Hasib Hamid. Unfortunately, England's batters were only too ready to hasten their own demise. Milan was out on the stroke of lunch root on the stroke of making a half century. Ben Stokes and Johnny Bairstow offered the obligatory lower order resistance, but they couldn't withstand the building pressure from Nathan Lyon and Cameron Green. If there was an idea, who are we kidding? Of course there was an idea. It was Josh Butler rushing down the pitch to Lyon with the score at 128 for five and managing to pick out the sole outfielder in the vast green space of the MCG. It was a shot that could, if it wanted, become the symbol for England's entire Ashes tour. It could play the lead in the TV montages. It could work its way onto T-shirts. Heck, it could probably go on its own speaking tour. After all, it said volumes about what state the England team are in right now. Hundred and eighty five all out wasn't England's lowest score of this series, but it was still their worst. They came into this test needing to save the ashes from two nil down, and in a few short hours they rendered their aim all but impossible. Australia finished the day sixty one for one. Over to Adam and Jeff at the scene of the crime.
1: The final word, Boxing Day, day one, it it went it went as per the script, didn't it? It it wasn't a terrible Batting day. It wasn't a green mamba. It wasn't horrific conditions out there. I thought in the morning session, Pat Cummins was the only really good bowler. Scott Boland was serviceable. Mitchell Stark was wayward. Pat Cummins was devastating. Got three down at the lunch break, but they could still have made a fist of it from there. And it was the second session that was dire. It was the second session that yep. really threw the match away, basically, on the first day.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the scorecard 185 all out and it'll it'll look a certain way, but it, it wasn't drifting in the second hour, but through Root and Milan, the game just looked different. When those two are batting together, it looks like these two teams can compete. Any other combination, and they don't. There's this fundamental mismatch when Root or Milan fall. In the case of England today, it was the number three on the stroke of lunch, which was so important in the way the day flowed if they're walking back out there different story but Cummins bringing himself back for a second quick blast before lunch Mm. finds the outside edge pouched by Warner and so it goes and then yeah you're right it was the middle session wasn't it route on 50 for the ninth time he gets a half century in Australia without being able to convert it you know a shot that he'll be. Well, he was gutted, by the way. You could see in his in his response to it, he was devastated to get out that way again. And he batted so beautifully to that point, which makes it all the more frustrating.
1: As he's done with each of his fifties in this That's series the so far.
0: But I think this might have been the most aesthetically pleasing. Like he just looks so good, bulky in the middle of the bat. It felt like it was a, uh, a a lock for a ton. But yeah, we should know better than that because there's this pressure this Australian attack can create. Mm. I wouldn't go as far to say that Australia only had one good bowler before lunch. I think they all played a role in. In contributing to the three I'd wickets d- to fall, only but...
1: one super dangerous bowler. You know, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't an assault from all sides. No, it wasn't, it wasn't was like Brisbane day one. No, it no. wasn't hanging on by your fingernails. It was it was that Cummins was real quality, and I didn't think any of the three wickets that Cummins got fell to Batsman who had done much wrong. Haseeb yeah. made didn't do much wrong. He got a beauty, it moved away from him on that perfect line that he had to play. Uh, David Milan had one pretty straight that decked away and went to slip. You yep. know, the other one went to gully. They were. It was quality bowling that made that happen. It was horrible batting in the middle session that, I mean, Root gets out to a a guide outside the off stump that he's reaching for when he's been practising leaving all day. Both Stokes and Bairstow try to ramp the ball over the slips. I mean, I don't know, is this to talk about brave batting? or we better ramp it over the slips more. That's what you do when you bat bravely. And then Butler, I, I cannot express to you how much space there was, unless you're actually at the ground watching it. The vast acreage on the leg side that literally has one lonely white dot in it. If you asked someone to hit that and nothing else, they would find that very difficult. And yet, that's exactly what he did.
0: Yeah, I think it's worth kind of going through them all. Let's start with Root. I quite like Chris Rogers' analysis about how Root struggled to ride the wave of the innings against Australia. And that's been a bit of a pattern. The comparison he drew was between the way that Root played Cummins. Busy, industrious, trying to knock Cummins off his immaculate line and length. The contrast being to Stark, who you don't need to do that to because Stark will give you balls to score from. You don't mm-hmm. need to create opportunities that aren't necessarily there against Stark because it happens organically and that's where Root uh, fell to that. It's just misreading the, the, the tempo of where the game was at that point yep. because to that point, I think there was some stat that he scored from 42, or not scored from tried to score, played a scoring shot yep. from 42 of his first 43 balls, something like that, but they said it's that dismissal. Stokes was victim of a pressure cooker environment that was created by Lyon and Green. They were just all over him. He was trying everything. He was charging deep in the crease, pop line into the grandstand down in the southern stand at one point. He was doing everything he could to transfer pressure back the other way and just couldn't and was trapped. And then let's go to Butler, which yep. might be the worst dismissal I think I've ever seen from a from a senior player in a test match. And that's no reflection on this guy's character. I love Josh Butler. Um, he's brought me so much joy over the years, but for me, it looks a tired man. It looked an exhausted man in so many ways that how could you arrive at the conclusion at that, that particular particular juncture, that the right thing to do was exactly that. I mean, yeah, there's the acreage, but then there's, why is there the dance? Why is there the risk at that point? It's all about risk mitigation, the over before tea, especially when they lost a wicket, the over before lunch, especially when they'd lost uh, already lost three wickets in the session, but yeah. he, he, he couldn't resist and, and paid the price, and there will be understandable questions about his suitability to continue through the rest of the series. If it were me, I'd just send him home. If they're 3-0 down in two or three days' time, I'd say, Josh, get a break, man. You've got a lot of cricket ahead of you in 2022. Forget about cricket for a month or two. Mm.
1: Yeah, and look, Johnny Besto looked pretty good. Made 30-odd and did that thing that he does where he looks pretty good for 30-odd and then gets out. He, he was less culpable in that he did get a difficult delivery from yeah. Stark, but he was still shaping to play the uppercut. And he still tried to play it. You know, it came back at him, followed him a bit, kept a bit lower. He said, "I spoke to him at the the stump spit, and he said, yep. he said most of those had been carrying higher, and that one kept lower than he'd been expecting it to. Sure, but he was still trying to ramp it over third slip with a stacked cordon. I still don't understand the rationale of trying to do that on the first day of a test I match. I just think it's a debacle the by then,
0: isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you're Johnny Bairstow, he's played a lot of Test cricket, 79th Test match or something. Yep. This might be. He knows full well it's all out one eighty unless he gets on the heater at that point. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'll try and try and engineer that by batting in white ball Johnny mode. Yep. And, you know, it's risk-reward yep. uh, and it didn't quite go right. But it's a it's emblematic of where they're at more generally as a batting group right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we brushed over the Zach Crawley dismissal, but it doesn't look great when trying to play a ball to mid-wicket that ends up at gully. Um, Hasiba Me got a good one, like you say, but good ones tend to follow guys who uh, are going through a rough trot, look good at Brisbane, but has looked nowhere since. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think I 50th
1: said... 50th duck of the year for England. 50th
0: duck of the year. So he has he passed four of those in five test matches.
1: Yeah. To and his just... told me that out of 15 tests this year, an England opener has made a duck in 12 of them.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. It, I mean... It,
1: it, Put th- Wokes if... to open is not actually crazy at this point. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, might like, ma- he might make 15, you know?
0: <laughs> it sounds like you... <laughs> what I was saying in 2018. Make <laughs> yeah. Stokes open. Uh, yeah. Wokes rather open or bat three. I just feel like that... You know, I'm backing over some old territory here, but it just felt so... Inevitable today from the yeah. moment that Cummins won the toss. We could have we could have had a, a stab at making this podcast at eleven o'clock yeah. and we would have got Near enough to the pin, and that's because there's no competitive tension in this series right now, and that's desperately sad.
1: It, it it was more of a debacle, I felt, because the bowling conditions weren't as good. It wasn't like Brisbane was tougher than this. You know, Brisbane they were more likely to get out to decent yeah. bowling. Today it was a fair bit of, I don't know, giving up sort of shots. But, what do you uh, make
0: of? What do you make of? Just put a question to you: Are we nearly at the point now where Pat Cummins is like? The greatest Australian fast bowler. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like that's not too much a stretch. 174 wickets at 21, a strike rate of 45. No one has taken more wickets for Australia at a lower average or a better strike rate. I know he's only played 36 tests, but if he plays 36 more, I mean, the, the guy is just, he's just. A freak.
1: Well, what's he up to, 175? 174, 174 yeah. now. I mean, yeah.
0: there's nothing he can't do, and he's getting better test on test.
1: And he's captaining and the he's team. And he's captain.
0: Remember yeah. that debate about whether his bowling would be <laughs> would as suffer. potent as, as if he was well, wearing the captain's armband? Remember and, that? And, yeah, it
1: probably <laughs> won't be as good in Chennai, for instance, but in these conditions, in home conditions, he was so good. He looked very good for the rest. Looked like, you know, I, I think... In hindsight, it'll be almost a masterstroke that he got coveted out of a test match yeah. because he's got through two five-test Asher series before, but they had longer breaks between the matches. I think he would have really struggled to get through. So each of those had a period of 10 days somewhere with a tour game or whatever where he didn't have to play this time they were all five, four, three, four, five, six-day turnarounds. I don't think he would have got through all five, and I think it would have been a huge, angsty debacle, like, you can't rest the Australian captain, and they would have either played him and broken him, or people would have been furious when he got a rest and maybe Australia lost the match or something. Well, well, even,
0: in... the way, even the way that Scott Bowling can walk in today and look pretty much at home, I yeah. know that Hazelwood will play next week, I saw him bowling in the nets today, like, cool, whatever, no yeah. dramas, but there have been six Australian fast bowlers used in three test uh-huh. matches, and all of them have done well for their country. No-one has been, so to speak, the weak link. They can play any combination of those six right now and they're going to take 20 wickets. Mm. And that is an envious position to be in when you consider that only, what, 10 11 months ago whenever that final test was at the Gabba they were so anxious about keeping the big four together they played yeah. them all the way through the series and they were knackered by the end of it so it shows some growth even if it was in mm. Cummins case because of covid and Hazelwood's Hazlewood's niggle but it shows that they've got this bigger picture mentality which was such a benefit in 2019 in England
1: yeah, and un- until this season at least for the moment i mean they've never had a proper all-rounder really <laughs> since about Keith Miller and now they've got a guy who can bowl 144 k's an hour and bowl the best delivery the day, you yep. know, didn't take a wicket, but the ability that Green has to bowl those ones that take off, that shoot up with pace or that move a bit off the seam at the same time, you know, he bowls some devastating stuff.
0: He, he is now taken six wickets in the series, two of them are Joe Root, two of them are Ben Stokes. Yeah. I mean, he's bowling routinely. I'm not saying, like, a ball or two, routinely at 144, 145, with that laconic yeah. approach, loping in from that height, he's going to take a disgusting amount of Test wickets for a Test number six if it plays yeah. out that way. If
1: he's, as long as his body stays together, and yeah. you know, I'm always anxious about predicting big things for players in case that you know it may not happen. But at the moment, he's got that possibility. So, look, some wonderful things happen, some terrible things happen today. Uh, the final word, Hall of Fame. This is uh, this is where we pick our favourite moment of the
0: day. Yes, and I had the presence of mind to them as we went today, Jeff. I'm not scrambling at the last minute before we hit record. Uh, the welcome to country from Arnie Joy, the Indigenous welcome to country. Always special at the MCG but when she acknowledged Scott Boland and congratulated him as an Indigenous Australian cricketer, the way the MCG responded it was such a special Boxing Day moment as it was when Boland came on to bowl, as it was when he got his first wicket it was reviewed. They got the double celebration. I just loved everything about Scott Boland's day. He's the oldest seamer to debut for Australia since 1950 so he wouldn't have thought this was going to happen, and and it does, and it's beautiful, Uh, and I think, you know, days like today, we can kind of step back from all of that and and see a guy who's worked his guts out for a decade at shield level, getting his chance and taking it with two hands, well played. Especially
1: that, I was also going to nominate that response to his wicket, because, you know, he's not the biggest superstar Victorian player, he's not the one you'd most expect, you know, the MCG to roar about, and yet there, there they were when it came up as three reds for the LBW, like they could not have been more pumped <laughs> there was Scott Boland knocking over the number eight when England were, you know, six for bugger all but didn't matter, they were delighted
0: We love you because you're a Victorian as we, mm. as we used to sing when we to get down at both speaking of na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na no, 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 uh, Johnny Besto asking for a banana, a one-over after yeah. tea, okay. uh, that wasn't orthodox but hey, do what you need make to do Johnny. make those bodies sing there was a picture that Adam's live posted of Johnny Besto today sort of uh, blowing his cheeks out he goes, oh i yeah. did ring it for Henry VIII, he absolutely is a dead ringer (laughs) at the moment for Henry VIII, especially when he kind of does the thing, uh, yeah. which he was photographed doing uh, earlier today. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, well, so they're my nominations. Do,
1: do you think, it, did, you, did you know that Peter Siddle used to enjoy eating a banana once in a while? <laughs> do you think we could have about three years of endless commentary about Johnny Bearstone enjoys eating a banana once in a while? Oh, yeah, the, uh, the yellow fruit that you peel. Oh, I love those. That, that
0: headline in the Daily Mail, that long, protracted deadline and headline, headline, <laughs> deadline, headline in the Daily Mail, which read, yes, we know that Peter Siddle likes to eat bananas, but isn't 13 a day a bit on the, a bit on the high side or something like that? <laughs>
1: you <laughs> Ah, the endless fascination of uh, things that cricketers eat. Do we do we have a player of the player of the day's Pat Cummins, isn't it?
0: Player of the day's Pat Cummins. Uh, he's taken now over 100 wickets in Australia at 20.6. Uh, these numbers are getting better. Mm. You know how some cricketers start their Test career and have ridiculous Aww. starts, like Kyle yep. Jamison, averaging 16 right yep. now. He won't average 16 in a couple of years. Pat Cummins is on the cusp of having a bowling average that starts with 20, not 21. You can kind of can on your fingers the number of prolific fast bowlers who have done that since 1900. Mm. And who knows where it'll go from, from here. Uh, I, I mean, what can you say? This guy just bursts open test matches every time he chucks himself the ball.
1: Yeah, which he can now do. He can choose to have it whenever he likes. All right, that's enough from us. This has been the final word, Ashes Daily. We will be back, as the name suggests, each day of the Ashes. That might be three days for this test match, <laughs> the way that it's looking at the moment. Probably. Uh, we would like it to be more, honestly. You may think that we're enjoying this, uh, but we'd rather like it to be, somewhat more competitive uh, look Jeff Lemon Adam Collins uh, that's us you can find us on patreon.com slash the final word or other places on the internet let us know how you're enjoying the show and uh, we will be back with you for day two see ya bye
2: that's it for today thanks from Adam Jeff and me for listening we will see you back here tomorrow if you like this episode don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The episode was produced by Sophia Tarek, and The Final Word is produced by Bad Producer Productions and edited by James Hurley. The executive producers are Gabrielle Jackson and Melanie Tate.
0: I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Murray.
2: And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents
0: The Anime Effect.